Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome, Brewer fans, to another Brewer Review podcast. Uh, this is Craig. Joining me today is uh, my co-host, Vince. How are you doing, Vince? Doing great, Craig. How's it going, Scotty? Uh, Chad. He's not Chad. dialed in yet. I'm sure he's on his way, but not, so, not okay. as confident with Chad, but um been a couple of years for him. But yeah, um, so... I guess there's been some interesting things happening in the Brewers offseason thus far. Unfortunately, uh, well, let's start by saying congratulations to the Houston Astros who won the 2022 World Series. I know, Vince, you and uh, your fiance are living down in Houston and you're, and she's a big fan So and her family. So congratulations to them and the Houston Astros. Yeah, they were pretty excited. Uh, you know, I got caught up in it as well a little bit. It was pretty exciting just to be in a city where – uh, the world champs uh, emerged from, obviously, um, wished it was the Brewers, but um, under the circumstances, was glad to see Houston get a, a, a world champion again. And I think that it was, a, you know, it, it kind of cleared some clouds from baseball down here a little bit, um, just given everything that happened back in 2017. So um, gener- generally, people were pretty jubilant and very into baseball uh, down here. So it was it was exciting just to see the passion around the city, I guess. Yeah, open, open, open down Wisconsin Avenue someday, Craig. I'd love to go to that parade with uh, with you guys. I will be there. I'm sure Scott and Chad will as well. Um, oh yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, just uh, next November would be a good time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, be perfect. I'm I've, I'm gonna keep my calendar uh, clear just for that very reason. Next November. Um, <laughs> anywho, um, I guess. The Brewers, who failed to make the playoffs for the first time, um, and for previous season they made the playoffs. Twenty, pretty much uh, ended our podcast streak um, every year since we've been. You know, obviously the Brooker Review started as a television show back in West Dallas in 2004, I believe, uh, and so every and then of course it, we had a little bit of a hiatus, and then we came back um, in 2017. Well, the pod, in podcast form, and I know every season, um, 18, 19, 20, 21, Brewers made the playoffs all those seasons. Um, however, our streak came to end this year. The Brewers just missed on the last wild card, um, fortunately. So um, I know there were some questions by the fans on uh, the Brewers making the, the trade of their all-star closer. Uh, Josh Hader, just before the trade deadline, uh, when the Brewers were – at the time, sitting in first place in the NL Central, they ended up not only not winning the NL Central, but not making the playoffs. Um, and a lot of fans, I think, would contribute that move by the Brewers. Uh, it's something that was a major factor into things not going as well uh, post trade deadline for the team. Um, yeah. So I, I guess. The biggest news here, and it happened a couple of weeks ago already, but uh, David Stearns, the Brewers' uh, president of baseball operations, obviously he was hired as a general manager and uh, not too long ago promoted to president president of baseball operations. He actually has stepped down. Um, 
as of this tape, and we still haven't heard if he's taking another job with another organization. There was a lot of speculation, him being a native New Yorker, that he'd eventually may be interested in uh, the Mets GM job, but I'm not sure if that's really available right now, or even their president of baseball operations. But currently, he's actually just resigned from that post, but he's still technically employed by the Milwaukee Brewers. I think neither you or I or most baseball fans expect that to last very long. Um, but what, I guess what, what were I was a little bit shocked by the timing of this news and yeah. at all this season. Um, what, what, what was your reaction to that? Um, you know, I think that for the first time in Stearns' tenure, uh, with the Brewers, he really received a lot of public criticism and I'm not saying that that's the reason why he's leaving his post, but I, I do think that maybe, um, he realized the gravity of the mistake that he made with the hater trade. And, you know, we've talked about it at nauseum on the, on our podcast, but you know, it clearly, it, I don't think it was a good trade from a baseball perspective, but it, it really clearly had a huge impact uh, in the clubhouse as well. And we heard from Eric Lauer, we heard from Devin Williams, we heard from, you know, other guys on the team that basically said how the clubhouse lost faith in the front office last year. And I think that, um, even if you're a supporter of that trade, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying that David Stern's track record in Milwaukee was anything less than stellar because it it was. Um, but I do think that anytime that the front office loses the clubhouse, that's a problem, and and some changes do need to be made. So I'm guessing that Stern's kind of saw this um, as a bit of writing on the wall. It's, it's kind of hard to come back from that. And um, if I had to guess as to what happened, that's probably um, more of a reason than I think many of our colleagues in the media are giving uh, credence to. Yeah, absolutely. So the Brewers have been a franchise since 1970, 50, going on 52 years now. And um, in that time frame, they've made the playoffs, I think it's eight times. And four of those were during David Stern's uh, tenure with the Brewers. So, I mean, Brewer fans, you know, I think that they came up with a, the slogan said, in Stern's we trust um, here over the last couple of years because it seemed like a lot of the moves that he was making were golden. I mean, he had traded for Christian Yellers, then he had immediately an MVP season and followed up with another near MVP season. And unfortunately, that that. Uh, earned him a nice big contract for us from a small market Brewer team that's not looking like it'll be an issue moving forward but uh, but that's not David Stern's fault uh, and so most of the other team basically the team construction the roster construction um, during David Stern's tenure as GM and ba president of baseball operations I don't think people have too many complaints about obviously it ended on a sour not with this pretty universally thought of as a poor decision with the hater trade. Um, in the long run, I actually think that trade might eventually work out in the Brewers' favor. It certainly did not work out in their favor for the 2022 season uh, or probably even the, for this year. But uh, in the future, I think that that trade will pay some dividends. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, overall, um, I wasn't totally shocked by it, but um, I, I was surprised by the timing of it. And and I thought if he were going to leave, it would have go to directly to another organization. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, it sounded like this was this. Uh, it was actually David's decision to kind of step down. I don't know. Obviously, there's probably 
some more thing, moving parts behind the scenes that don't get reported, so to speak. But um, I really don't think it's because of that one trade that this was like his demise or anything like that. But um, with that being said, I do think that the Brewers will be in capable hands uh, with Matt Arnold as our general, general manager. And really, he's been in that role um, since Stern's got his promotion. So I don't think the Brewers will lose. Too, I think they're still in really good hands. And, and I know that last offseason, the Mets had requested to interview Matt Arnold uh, for their open GM's position. And the Brewers denied that request and then in turn promoted Arnold themselves. So I think that that really shows how much they value Arnold uh, going forward. And I think that they knew the writing was on the wall that David Stearns was not going to be here forever. They probably yeah, I think that yeah, concerns has turned down. Well, we think that he's turned down a couple multi-year extensions, correct? I mean, I know that the Brewers were able to extend him once by promoting him, basically, um, in terms of giving him both the GM and the team president position at one point. But it, it seems like he has been about to leave for the last three, three seasons, according to you know some of our colleagues in the media. Yeah, so I think his strength as as uh, the GM and uh, the Brewers is really to look at the long-term picture and try to make the Brewers as competitive as possible every season and to make them a, a near playoff contender every season so that they would have more opportunities to go deep in playoffs if they eventually made it, if they made it on a consistent basis. And so I really think that his uh, roster construction wasn't always just for the current year. He was always looking a year or two ahead, which I think is smart when you're running a small market team like the Brewers, because you have there's a lot more things that you need to consider. I, I think it's much easier to be a gem of like a team like the New York Mets because you have an owner that's got really deep pockets, especially now, um, and and willing sure. to go out there and sign huge free agents to plug holes. And it may, I think it just makes your job easier. So I think the challenge of uh, the Milwaukee Brewers was a really good one and a great way for him to kind of break in um, as a GM um, to learn and with the challenge of doing a small market team. I think he did a phenomenal job and there. I really think he'll be part of, you know, baseball's front offices going forward for, for the rest of his long career, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure he will. And that, you know, no, nothing that I said is, is meant to be a critique of Stearns' overall performance uh, with Milwaukee. He's obviously had a great run. He's, he's been able to accomplish his goal of, of, you know, keeping the team consistently competitive. Um, so that's good. Uh, but I, I think that if I had one critique of him, and this is something we discussed on the show before, it's that he didn't seem to go for the jugular when the opportunity presented itself. And by that, I mean, you know, a team like, like, like unfortunately our brewers are uh, eight playoff appearances and, you know, 53 years, it means that if you're in that position, you need to go for it every single time. And that, that to me was the most disappointing part about uh, last season. Yeah. And I know some of our previous GMs, namely D Doug Melvin knew that there was windows of opportunity when, when you have, when you're developing players and they all are kind of hitting their prime at the same time, or you have cost control over them, uh, you're able to, to then construct the rest of your roster as a small market team to really have your full potential all at the same time. And I think uh, Doug Melvin and other GMs have recognized that. And there's usually when the window is about to close that they, they identify a year or a time frame where it's time to finally push all the chips to the middle of the table, so to speak. But David Stearns, I think, was more of a long game player, uh, as we all are kind of aware. And that could be kind of frustrating. 
but also good in some ways because I, I feel like the Brewers are still set up to be very competitive every year, and they're not going to go through this, you know, go for it, rebuild, and then, you know, build back up, go for it, rebuild, which I think has been successful for a lot of other small market teams. Even if we're talking about the the, the Houston Astros, who aren't by any means small market, but they did go through a period of, I think, four years where they were like the worst team in the league, and they got the top either number one overall pick or top picks for like four straight years. And with the all, they got lucky enough to hit on most of all those picks. And, and that really set them up for this kind of mini dynasty that they've had over the last five or six years where they've been in the American league champion, either the world series or the American league championship uh, series for, isn't it at least like four or five years for the last five years or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, they've had a very good run and, and no question that that's long-term success. My question is, why do you have to pick and choose? And I understand the brewers are quote unquote small market. I actually think we're a little bit more of a medium sized market, but um, yeah, I, I think that you can, you can get to the point where you become so cautious that you, you shoot yourself in the foot and, you know, you cited a couple other teams, Craig, and I, I, I generally agree with what you're saying, but you, a couple other teams that I think you could probably cite that did more of the Stearns model, like get in the playoffs and, and see what happens are, you know, the 2019 Nationals and the 2021 Braves, right? You know, two teams that maybe weren't the best team even in their divisions, quite frankly, over the course of those seasons, but were able to become world champions. I, I think that I think that the difference is, is that those teams had that a crux of a star to rely on. And I think the Brewers thought that they were getting that with Christian Yelich. Um that's unfortunately proven not to be the case, but you know, the nationals had that with Juan Soto and the Braves had that with Freddie Freeman. And I, I think that that's the major difference. I think that the Brewers are, yes, it's good to be in constant competition, but I still think that we need to be able to be aggressive enough to go out and do what we need to do to get that one player that can be that guy on this team. I, I don't know who that is. Obviously it's easier said than done, but that's the difference to me between those teams that we're able to do kind of what you're talking about from a modeling perspective um well the, the Astros too I mean, yeah that's an excellent point Vince because I mean if you look at the other really if you look at the Brewers franchise uh playoff years there's really been three eras so to speak well there was of course the early 80s era which we really had two plus franchise players and future Hall of Famers obviously I'm talking about Robin Young and Paul Molitor and then you sprinkle them with quality veterans like Raleigh Fingers and uh, Don Sutton and others um, really made us a great team back then, like really probably the best Brewer team that we've ever had. And then, of course, during kind of the early years of the Brewer Review, we were in the middle of constructing our second, I think, kind of era where we made a couple of deep playoff runs. And that was between 2008, where we finally made the playoffs for the first time. And I think it was like 25 or 26 years. And then... <laughs> yeah extending to our, our playoff run in 2011 where really you had one franchise player in, in um ryan braun and also like a good secondary one in prince fielder uh, and those guys kind of led the charge and we filled in the spaces around them um obviously you needed some good pitching during that time frame like ben sheets and yovine garrido but that was never the brewer's strength um uh, especially their bullpens back then but anyway moving forward to um, this four-year run of playoff era, 
the David Stearns era, I'll call it. And really our franchise player came from that trade in Kristen Yelich. Now, unfortunately, you know, he's no longer that quality of a player. And I think that's a huge problem, right. a huge reason why we didn't make the playoffs in 2022. And we don't even really have anyone comparably a second franchise player that we control at all. I mean, well, on the roster. Yeah. It, and, it, and, you know, you couple that, that lack of star power that with uh, what I'll term is kind of a band-aid solution. And again, this isn't totally fair because I, we were probably all in favor of it, but you know, to, to, to get Andrew McCutcheon is not a bad thing to get Andrew McCutcheon and then count on him to be 2010 Andrew McCutcheon and your biggest off season pickup um, is not going to be a winning strategy for a team that struggled offensively uh, coming into the season already. So, you know, to me, these are the types of moves, these band-aid solutions that um, don't necessarily bode well for the long-term health of the franchise. I do think that we've got, you know, a really good core of young outfielders, um, we're going to get to the news about Hunter Renfro, I think, in our next segment here today. But um, I am very worried about the Brewers' offense, and that has, has been a consistent concern. And it just seems like the Brewers are they are not adequately addressing the elephant in the room right now. And I, I'm getting into more minute problems probably than you thought we were going to get into. I know that we're just kind of talking about bigger themes with, with the Stearns news. But um, so I'll save part of my thoughts for uh, the rest well, of no, the show. No, absolutely. I, you yeah. Know, yeah. So I, I guess I just you know feel like we're not – we're not progressing. And when we're talking about a guy like Yelich, we have to recognize the fact that he is a slightly above average player at this point, but he's no longer an MVP candidate, nor is he likely to become one again. And I say that definitely hoping to be wrong, but at this point we're talking about the last time that we saw vintage all-star Christian Yelich was 2019 and we're entering the 2023 season. And you know, I get that it's some cost at this point. The contract is what it is. Uh, I, it is, you know, that's just how it goes. But um, I do think we need to recognize that in order to take advantage of the competitive window that we're offered with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff still being in a Milwaukee Brewers uniform this season, we need to we need to make a decision and either unload uh, those guys and other veterans, Colton Wong, other others, or we need to really focus on figuring out ways to replace vintage Christian Yelich and replace the power numbers of Hunter Renfro and McCutcheon is going to be gone. And, you know, you've got a lot of holes to replace. And as we pointed out, a guy like Renfro essentially replaced Avi Garcia from the year before. Um, and now we've lost that bat as well. I just don't know where we're going to come up with some of this offensive production. Um, you know, we've got a glaring hole at catcher and there's, there's just a lot of issues right now. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I, and no disrespect for, for Corbin Burns when I said we had Christian Yelich as um, our franchise player, but not really a second one during this phase. But I mean, obviously, Corbin Burns winning a Cy Young last year, I think he would qualify as that second franchise cornerstone. But again, uh, the combination of him becoming a, a, a free agent soon, um, and the Brewers only have arbitration control over him this year next. And that goes along with Brandon Woodruff, who I guess you can almost put in the same category of quality um, ace-like pitcher. Um, and then you've got Kristen Yelich, who, like you said, has just reduced himself, fortunately, to like a regular everyday player, and that's about it. So, yeah, so so the challenge for Matt Arnold and this organization going forward is to identify another franchise player. And a lot of times a small market team can only really get that type of player from within. So, unfortunately, 
I think that the Brewers were counting on when you have top 10 draft picks and with the success yeah. of the last four years, we have not had high draft picks. We've been picking in the mid, you know, in the twenties of each first round, but the last time we had a top 10 draft pick, we picked Keston Hira. And I think that right. his bat, especially with how successful he was in the Meyer leagues, we really were counting on him to become this next franchise player. And the, the combination of, Christian Yelich falling off from his MVP level and Chris and, and Kesson Hira not getting to an all-star level, even not even close, yeah. not even to an everyday player at this point. Yeah. Um, has really torpedoed um the Brewers offense uh in particular. Yeah. Which it, really sucks because yeah. the time the, our the Brewers pitching staff without it, without question is the best that's ever been in franchise history right now. And that's that that hit the nail on the head, Craig, because to me, we're we're talking about a lot of talent that's in the system right now. I do have faith in guys like Garrett Mitchell down the road. I've got faith in um, Joey Weimer. There's a few of our outfield prospects that I really like. Um, I think that their bats are going to play well, but my concern is that they're not necessarily going to play well in 2023 um, and that they're not necessarily going to be ready to handle uh, the big leagues. Even guys like Tyrone Taylor, who we would probably have still classified as developing as of the 2020 one season, uh, I still don't think he's an everyday uh, major league outfielder. I think he's a fine fourth outfielder, but I don't think he is an everyday outfielder on a contending team necessarily. So again, my concern is, is that we've got this window with guys like Burns and Woodruff and the deepest pitching staff top to bottom that we've probably ever had um, that I can remember at least with Eric Lauer and, and Ashby and um, Hauser. And I, I just, I just unfortunately get the sense that timing without some changes is going to be a little off when you're relying on a bunch of rookies to essentially make up for 30 home runs, for instance, from Hunter Renfro or, you know, leadership like Andrew McCutcheon. And you've got, I, I, I don't, I don't think that all the answers were found on last year's roster, but I am saying that we need to replace whatever we lose. And, you know, it's still early in the off season. Um, so we could still do that, but, Unfortunately, we, we have said that for, for several off seasons that we seem to never make that big move that could put us over the top, or we haven't at least since 2018 when we went out and got Christian Yelich and signed Lorenzo Cain. Um, so I'm, I'm quite concerned about that. And even, um, I don't even know if you saw it, maybe Scott's interns can send it to you quick, but even Hunter Renfro today, when being asked about the trade, made some comments about the dysfunction um, from the front office to the clubhouse. I, it just, it screams to me that there's, bigger issues that we're not really necessarily privy to, even though we have our press passes. And I, I just, I just don't, I, I, so I'm a little concerned about all of that. And so hopefully, um, hopefully these issues can still be mitigated. It, it's, you know, we're still in November, but um, I do think that the Brewers are really going to have to focus on offense and it's going to have to come from somebody other than Garrett Mitchell or somebody who's only played in AAA or below uh, at this point in their careers with this yeah, pitching good. staff the way it is today. Couldn't agree more, Vince. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge moving forward for the, for the Brewers. Um, and it's one of those things, just a quick point out, like, you know, when you got a team like the Mets and the, the Dodgers or even like the Angels, who we just traded uh, Hunter Renfro to, and again, we've teased that we're getting into that real, real soon, but you have the luxury of not having to worry about rookies coming up and filling everyday spots necessarily because you can, you can plug those holes with either, you know, trades or, you know, 
you can take on payroll. And the Brewers just don't have that luxury, especially with Christian Yelich taking up so much of the payroll. They really have to be frugal in the other areas. Now, one thing that I think is a catalyst to, I think that's going to be a, quite a lot of roster movement this offseason, even though coming into the offseason, you could argue that the Brewers' rotation was pretty well set. Their bullpen was fairly set, especially the back end of it. And if you looked at the everyday starting, besides catcher, like you mentioned, every we almost have someone under team control at every other at every starting position. So it didn't seem like we had a whole lot of holes to plug. However, with that being said, you really right. got to change this team and make and, and change the overall makeup of it because last year's uh, roster construction just was not working. So there was going to have to be some turnover and some movement. I think that this yeah. is just part of it. So. Um, yeah, yeah, and that and that might be true. And I, I reacted negatively to the Renfro trade yesterday, more negatively than you, um, on that. And uh, you know, we, I guess I was approaching it like, hey, how are we going to replace twenty-seven bombs? You know, that's on a very practical level my biggest concern because I don't think that Mitchell's going to be quite at that level next year. And I think this lineup already lacks some offensive pop. Uh, so that's that's my concern. That being said, you know, if there is. If the issue is like, hey, that team just had some chemistry issues, and you're right, maybe we do need to stir up that group a little bit. Maybe, maybe Renfro is just a part of the problem uh, in the clubhouse. We don't know without ourselves being on the team, right? So maybe, maybe that's kind of what we saw. Maybe it was just a cost savings move, but either way, maybe you're onto something that whatever was being tried last year on the 2022 team. Um, you know, wasn't working. So we, we just could not run it back with the same exact offense. And it almost seemed like we were going right. season considering doing that because there of not being much flexibility in the payroll. But I think that uh, they will be creative and move players here, there open up payroll for other free agent signings or for other moves. And I think that I, I actually think there'll be quite a bit of uh, roster movement this off season, but I think the hot stove yeah. is very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you might be onto something because there, there was kind of a status quo that was maintained the last couple of off seasons, really, there weren't a ton of moves, um, at least not to the level that I was expecting. I, I thought that there would be a little bit more movement and, you know, Stern stayed kind of pat. And last year I thought part of it was because, Oh, there's a lockout. Uh, if you remember, we got Redfro the day before the lockout started and then teams weren't allowed to make moves until, you know, a week before spring training started. So it was kind of a, a boring off season for many teams last year, but, um, I still think that, I think that you're right. I think there's going to be a little bit more churning of the roster uh, this year than last, for sure. Yeah, what do I think will make an exciting offseason, but possibly in, in some ways confounding for, for Brewer fans that saw the, that thought that the 2022 season was on the cusp of making the playoffs uh, and only yeah. a couple of tweaks. I, I think that now with the change, uh, with Stern stepping down and Arnold, uh, I, I just think that there'll be – and one of the catalysts for all this roster, this moving around of payroll potentially – uh, is the fact that the Brewers actually lead the Major League Baseball in the number of arbitration eligible players this season with 18. So again, yeah, ca exactly, casual exactly. fans, and, I, and I, I, I kind of assume a lot of our listeners probably aren't casual fans, but for the, for, to the casual fan, knowing what that means really just is the fact that we, were, we basically owe 18 players uh, raises from what their salaries were last year. And, 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 a, lot, and a lot of those are going to be significant, especially for players that are getting toward their second last and last year of arbitration, like Woodruff and Burns, for example, are in their second last year of arbitration, they're going to get significant raises. I mean, that's going to hurt the overall bottom line. Of our, and, uh, and, and so all that has to be taken into consideration when, when doing a trade. So 
So let's move on because I know we've already been talking about it. Real quick before we get to Renfro. Let me, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I'm sorry, I just had one real quick point to make. You're 100% right about the arbitration cases and that being a, a major factor. But let's look at that on the flip side. And it, it, those are also salaries that we did not have to pay to, the, to their value the last three seasons, four seasons. And I'm just saying we got these guys at, 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 at definitely reduced prices. So these are all things that the Brewers should have been planning for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why those, those years when you're spending, you know, $90 million on your payroll instead of $126 million um, are the years that you need to be putting aside that money. And, you know, I, I know that even before that, there were several years where the Brewers spent hardly any money between 2013 and 2017. And, I, you know, I would love to see some of that money today be put into a Woodruff for a Burns extension and, and finding a big bat on the free agent market. I, I think the fans deserve it. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with that being said now, so there's a lot of talk that by moving this money around for the raises and whatnot, uh, so to speak, that the casual brew fan will be like, will be like, well, yeah, Mark Antonazzi does not need to be this cheap. I mean, he, just, you know, open up the payroll a little bit more. Um, I, in his defense, I will say, this is just a fact, the 2022 opening day payroll was the highest in Milwaukee Brewer history at $130 million. So he did do that last year, and I feel it's going to be around the same this year, but I don't know yeah. that he's going to extend it too much above that, especially with the, but the revenue. But inflation was higher, and the revenues taken in were also much higher, too. I mean, I, I don't think that it was the highest. Uh, it was the highest in pure dollar amount that he's ever put into a team. I do not believe that it was the highest percentage of um, what is the percentage of intake uh, compared to output that he has put in. For what it's worth yeah I, I think that the brewers are making a lot more money now than they did for instance in 2000 and you know 10 or something but i don't i still think that his payroll limitations have been such that he's not necessarily spending the same percentage of the profits today that he was even you know in a season like that yeah that makes sense um so before we get to Renfro, real quick two other little quick tidbits because these things happen a couple weeks back also or within the last couple weeks one was, unfortunately, um, casual fans may not be aware of this, and maybe they are already, but uh, fan favorite, the Raptor, Brent Suter, who was a free agent going in this offseason. Unfortunately, he has signed with the yep. Rockies. Again, from well, he action. got waived. He, he, got, he got waived, so he was picked up on waivers. He didn't choose to leave. Oh, okay, okay. So the Brewers actually out. waived him. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, well, he so he would have been contract. He was placed on waivers and claimed by Colorado, according to Scott Vinter and our anonymous source, Tom Carter. Okay, yeah. So he, I think he still has one more year of arbitration left. So the Brewers could have tendered him a contract, but instead they actually waived him. Um, and again, so this is based off his actual on-field production. Obviously, he was a clubhouse and fan favorite, but, I mean, it's a little bit sad, but obviously – when it comes to the nuts and bolts of it, you his on-field stats last year and what he was able to produce is, was not going to be worth it to the Brewers for what he was actually contributing. So, so unfortunately, that was kind of sad news for me, but uh, but it totally made sense. And the other the other move that happened was that Colton Wong's twelve million dollar uh, club option was picked up by the Brewers, which was a little bit surprising to me. Um, and then it, um, they did uh, tender contract to most players. I know that 
one of the players that did not get tendered a contract <clears throat> was Trevor Gott, which was a little bit surprising, but he really did tail off toward the end of last season. Um, but uh, yeah, Wong's option of $12 million picked up, which again was, I think, right on track with about what his value is, maybe even slightly under what he would maybe get on open market. So well, not, a, not a bad Craig, move. Hey, Craig, I don't mean to interrupt, but, uh, but Tom Carter, our anonymous source, is handing me a note. It says uh, Wong was actually, it was a $10 million pickup, and it was actually an $8 million decision because he had a $2 million buyout. Okay, $10 million, yeah. So, yep. So and really, eight eight million. Consider it was an eight million dollar decision. Uh, I guess is the the takeaway on that one. Sure. So yeah, I mean, and I think it it, it was a good move, I believe. And but with that being said, I think he's still pot, a trade candidate either this off season or you know we'll see during the season. Um, so that brings us to the big news that happened just yesterday prior to this podcast, and that's of course after. Um, Hannah Renfro was projected in his last year of arbitration to be, make about $11 million. Uh, he was traded to the Los Angeles Angels for three AAA pitchers, right-handed pitcher Jansen Junk, um, right-handed pitcher Elvis Figueroa, and left-handed pitcher Adam Simonaris. Um, and so, yeah, um, each of those pitchers did not pitch all that well at AAA and do not have much of ceilings at all other than possibly fifth starter for junk and maybe relievers for both Simonaris and Figueroa. Um, however, they are, you know, have not even started their, or um, they're still kind of in their first year. So the Brewers have team control of them for, for five or six more years. So if any of them become anything, I think that's uh, some value there. Um, Hunter Renfro, like, like you're mentioning, is a big loss to our actual lineup because he did have, I believe, I believe he hit 255 last year with 29 yeah. homers, 75 yep. RBIs, something like that, and uh, a 315 yeah. on base percentage, though, which is not very good. Uh, he did have a great no. percentage. So overall, I think his value was right about what he was going to get in arbitration. So he didn't have too much surplus trade value because of it. So I was mm -hmm. actually kind of not expecting much in return for him because I literally thought the Brewers would have considered non-tendering him a contract at all at that salary in spite of his production last year. This is almost reminiscent of like when we didn't do that, like Chris Carter, I think, like almost led the league in home runs and we didn't tender him a contract next year. I thought this might fit in that just because of how much payroll. I mean, I, I literally came in the offseason and the Brewers were either going to be able to pick up Wong's option or tender a contract to Renfro, but not both. So I was a little shocked when initially seeing that the, they were doing both. But now this trade yeah. on Renfro kind of makes sense in some ways of just clearing that $11 million of payroll and getting a couple of young players that could, could be something in return. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. I still think that you don't, at least as it stands today, have a way to re easily replace that power. Um, I don't I don't know who's going to just come in and be able to hit you know nearly 30 bombs for us, but I hope to be proven wrong on that. Um, I wasn't blown away by any stretch by the guys that we got back, and I I didn't think it was a for sure thing that he wasn't going to just be brought back at that salary um, and plugged right back into the four or five spot in the Brewers lineup. I mean. To me, having a guy like Renfro, yes, his OBP wasn't as high as it probably should be, but there was some value in having a guy that uh, opposing pitchers knew that they 
that that he could hit a home run uh, in any given at bat. That that power threat exists. Um, certainly, when you've got other guys in the lineup who struggled struggled uh, to find the long ball last year, like McCutcheon or Yelich, um, I think that he was he was at least a viable home run threat the pitchers had to consider. So I, I do think that that can change a pitcher's calculus a little bit in the offensive favor. Um, so for those reasons, I I was hopeful that we were going to bring him back and actually have him on the team next year. Especially yeah. considering what we got back in return, but you know that's I don't I don't think he's irreplaceable, but I do think he needs to be replaced if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, and and so I think most Brewer fans would agree with you. The fact that Hunter Renfro, even though we traded, I think we overpaid and traded from last year, but that was more so getting rid of the Jackie Bradley Jr. last year contract. We had to we had to go with some pretty nice prospects and much better than the ones we just got. But with that being said, out of the deal we got out of. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s contract, like I said, and we also got one really solid year from Hunter Renfro all around. I mean, I mean, we really needed his bat in the lineup. Our offense is pretty futured even with him. So again, that's the scary part is thinking of what's our lineup going to be like now minus him. What are we going to replace him with? And I think that the rest of the offseason will kind of show us that. Um, I do believe the Brewers plan on, will plan on bringing a bat in some form via trade or free agency or whatnot. Um, hopefully much better than in the, in the same tier as like Andrew McCutcheon, like you mentioned, but we shall see. Um, with that being said, just looking at the Brewers outfield long-term, obviously Christian Yelich will factor into that mix. I mean, the, obviously the Brewers now, the NL having the permanent DH and also I think Yelich could be a future first baseman. Um, but I mean, right now, I think he's still our only solid penciled in outfielder. You mentioned Tyrone Taylor you know, being a nice option, but probably not an everyday starter necessarily with a high ceiling, but he's at least an option and some nice depth. But really, I think the reason that this was cleared um, was the Brewers have a really nice stable of upcoming outfield prospects. And that's led by Garrett Mitchell, who hit over 300 in a September stint with the Brewers last year. He does have power and speed. And I really think that he could be not necessarily a franchise player, but he has the ceiling to be a borderline all-star. Um, and so that's pretty exciting for Brewer fans. Um, and then also in that same vein, the next guy right behind him, also some experience at AAA last year, is former first-round pick Sal Freelick, who has an awesome hit tool. He might not have the power that Mitchell does, and definitely not for Renfro, but he's got an awesome hit tool. And he really profiles as like a 300-hitter, top-of-the-lineup type hitter, um, and I think that he's nearly major league ready as well. So I think both those guys will factor into the mix very soon. Probably Mitchell for right, sure. right from opening day. And then behind him, you you mentioned too, Joey Weimer um, is one of these prospects who people just don't know how to read on. He's got power, speed. He can't hit. Yeah. His, his, his hit tool is not that great, but he's very athletic. But he's also kind of like awkwardly athletic. He has a weird batting stance. But yep. there's just something about the guy that they, me, leads me to believe he's going to be an overachiever at the major league level, kind of on the same level as like Hunter Pence was, where everyone's like, how is this goofy dude doing this? I, I really feel well, like yeah. he's going to be like a surprise quality everyday player for us in the very near future with power. So that, yeah. that's pretty exciting. And then even more exciting for Brewer fans long term, uh, we now it's pretty much a consensus that we have a top five overall prospect in baseball. Uh, a 19 year old named Jackson Trio, who. Oh, yeah, no, he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's outstanding. I think that, and he's tearing up the Dominican Winter League right now uh, as well. Just 
for the record. It, it, listen, Craig, all those guys, I'm very high on all those guys. I think that they're really exciting. I, I think that those are all names that all Brewer fans should know in the next couple of seasons. My, my biggest issue with all of this is that when you plug in two or three outfielders who would be considered rookies um, during Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff's last or second to last season as Brewers, potentially, um, you're not necessarily taking advantage of that window. That, that to me, is how as succinctly as I can boil down my, my problem with this. I, I think that if we, had, if we had offensive cornerstones at third base and first base, who we knew could generate the type of offense that it would take to kind of balance that attack out a bit, I'd be a little bit easier with that. If Yelich was old Yelich, I'd be a little bit easier with that. But the fact is, is that I don't see that offensive group as being a playoff group next season on their own. I think that they're going to need some assistance. And I do think that they're all going to have successful major league careers, most likely. And there's going to be some hopeful all-star selections out of that group. It's just that my concern is, is that by relying on them in 2023 as, as a group of rookies, essentially, plus Yelich, um, you may be, you may be over – you, you overextending your your optimism just a little bit in my humble opinion oh well, yeah no i, I don't all, think all, all, all good players and all guys who should probably be in the big leagues at some point next season i just think relying on that group for you know two of those three guys would have to start with our current situation unless you view tyrone taylor as a starter which i don't yeah no your point is absolutely valid and i think this is the most shocking thing about the hater trade is because if the brewers were going to identify a window to go to, to go all in and try to, you know, make a really deep postseason run. It would have been last season and then this season, in my opinion. And then at the end of 2023, uh, re, you know, at that point, say, we only have a year left of Woodruff and Burns. Let's try to extend one of them and trade the other. Um, and, you know, so we would – but I don't think the Brewers have the luxury of letting both Woodruff and Burns – go to the end of their of their arbitration years one of them they have to get some value out of if not but and the other one they have to extend i mean they, so it really does just put our window from last year which has already like been pissed away at, uh excuse my french but i mean uh and then 2023 and i think it's yeah. a huge challenge for the for man around to put together a, a championship quality roster offensively in particular um going into 2023 giving wh where we're at right now not that it can't be done but i think it would take some really good maneuvering to the, we would need some minor league pitching to step up um and we yep. would probably need to trade someone like eric lauer in a trade that landed us like a really almost borderline franchise hitter uh in in, a, in you know or something like that um an upcoming franchise and that would be really tough so i i don't know i mean I, I think there'll be like i said a lot of moving parts this offseason but it's really tough to see and so yeah that's the frustrating thing as casual burr fans is it seems like are we kicking this can down the road past and and, and already starting to you know see what we have for our next run at it so to speak. yeah yep, yep. and it, almost, it feels that way and that's super frustrating especially and i think that a lot a lot of people viewed this hunter trade as us like giving up the combination of the yeah. hater trade and the and the Renfro trade, the the casual fans saying, well, this this we're totally punting last season and this season, but this doesn't make any sense. And I I agree with that sentiment, but yeah, um, especially on the hater part of it. But I mean, 
I think it's just like a fine line that they're straddling. And I think that the, what Arnold and Stearns did identify at some point before the hater trade was like, hey, look, we, we love this, these guys that we all together as a group, but are we realistically have enough pieces in place to be World Series contenders right now? Probably not. But so we have we have to go one of two ways: trade Hater for future pieces, keep Hater, and then trade either Mitchell, Freelick, or Weimer or whoever they're asking for right. to, to get us a, a really good bat for the stretch run here. As or, or, or at that point, you could still trade Ethan Small for a good bat probably as well, or at least make him part of a package. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I would have expected something like that. Um, and, and I think that they unfortunately chose the, the former, not the latter, of that example. And they decided, well, let's, let's keep building, making this a continually competitive team and not just worry about this, this window that's closing. We'll worry about that later. So, yeah, it's really frustrating. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, even yeah, all and I, I, yeah, I, and I think even more for just people that are even more than casual fans, you know, I, I would at least consider myself to be more than just a casual fan. And I, I, my first reaction last night to the Renfro trade, and again, it, I understand there's mitigating factors, but my first reaction was, okay, they're punting because the, the, the fact is the last, what, handful of trades that the Brewers have made have all been trades that you would make as sellers, right? I mean, you trade your all-star closer. You, you trade the guy who had the most home runs on your team uh, or second most home runs on your team. Uh, it, it, I, I understand that there are mitigating factors to all of these deals and that these things are complex, but sometimes, um, you know, the, the proof is in what's actually happening. And I think that, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a very cognizant argument to be made that the Brewers have been sellers since, oh, releasing Lorenzo Cain last year in some ways, you know, and, and been more concerned about finding ways to save money um, than they have been about acquiring talent or plugging in, you know, clear holes on their team. And maybe, maybe that is the answer. And this comes back to the position that you just said after the hater trade, maybe this just wasn't as talented of a group as a lot of fans thought. Um, I just think that you can take some of these pieces right now and say, all right, we've got the we've got the deepest, most talented pitching staff in Brewers history, and we are not going to take advantage of that window. It just seems crazy to me, but it's just me. And it does, and and again, like I, unfortunately, the the not to say culprits, but I think the not meeting expectations of Christian Yelich and Keston Hira have really hampered this offense and not made it a playoff caliber offense at all the last two seasons for sure since Yelich has fallen off and it's really tough for them to you know bring in guys like Hunter Renfro to be kind of like saviors Stearns and Arnold did an awesome job bringing identifying like really low-cost guys to bring in and kind of bought low on both Willie Adamas and also um Rowdy Telez and and so I I have faith that Arnold will be able to pull off a similar move bring in an underrated guy, a, a cheaper underrated guy that just needs an opportunity like those guys um, yeah. this offseason to, yeah. to possibly fill in for, for the loss of Renfro. Um, well, and, and so, that's fine. That's fine. But we, but Craig, the issue is, is that we need, we needed offense before we lost Renfro. And that, that's kind of what I keep coming back to is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be disagreeable towards you, but just going to make the argument from the flip side. We already, we already needed offense. That's what we, I wanted to get at the deadline last year. We needed offense before we lost our biggest home run hitter. And I just, 
yes, I think that you're right. I think we can find a replacement probably for Hunter Renfro. I don't think he's irreplaceable. My problem is, is that who are we going to then go get or have the capacity to go get that takes our offense to where it needs to be to be a deep playoff contender or deep post, make a deep postseason run? I guess that's that's my concern. Yeah, it's really I, I understand your frustration. I'm on this on board because I, I it's very hard, tough to see. So it's like we came in with the challenge. We got to fix this offense. We got to add to the offense, and we start by subtracting. Um, it's really right, it's and really, and it's like it's like Renfro replaced Garcia, like I said before. So you know, even going into 2022, we just replaced the hole that was created in 2021 when Garcia left. And thank God we didn't sign Avi Garcia to the contract that the Marlins signed him for, but. You know, I, I still think that you needed to that basically Renfro replaced the you know around 30 home runs that Garcia had in 2021 and uh, for the team, and now we're just going to have to replace Renfro to bring the offense back to where it was maybe last year. Yeah, no, it, it's frustrating. But it's tough to see. I mean, I honestly think Joy Weimer could come in and hit 18 home runs. Garrett Mitchell could probably, as a rookie, hit. hit 15 to 20 home runs on it if he plays every day. So I think we can get that production. Unfortunately, you know, there could be some growing pains with the rookies. The one thing with growing pains uh, with younger players, I, I really feel that it takes pick pitchers. You can't expect bringing up pitchers, as, as we saw with Aaron Ashby, for example, last year, in their first couple of years with, you know, building up those innings in a league, uh, you know, yeah. major league hitters make adjustments to them and they have some growing pains with them. They have to make adjustments going back. Um, hitters, the, the same thing, but if you look over the successes of rookies of the year and just rookies coming in as hitters, use it, look all the way back to like Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun came in a league and actually like tore it up. Yeah. I think if you look back, his rookie season might have been his actually best statistical season of his career, Ryan Braun's actually. Um, and it wasn't even in a full yeah. season. So, I mean, right. And it helped lead us. No, that's, to- a, that's a great point. That, that's, a, that's a very fair point. I, I, and Corbin Burns on the flip side kind of proved that from a pitching perspective. You can have a ton of talent like an Aaron Ashby, like a Corbin Burns, um, and not have that necessarily come out for your first season. To Well, I mean, Hack and Burns' case, his first, what, three seasons, he he actually struggled quite a bit. Um, it's yeah. only been the last three. He's been excellent. So, so I mean, I, I don't think that any of, our, any of these minor league hitters are going to come in and be all-stars right from the get-go like Braun was because I don't think they're, they're quite that good. Uh, if I had to rank them, it would definitely be Garrett Mitchell followed by Freelick followed by Weimer. And well, and actually Jackson Trio probably on top of that whole group, which is exciting, but he's only 19. We can't really con- expect anything. Yeah. He needs, as an everyday he needs a couple more. Yeah. yeah. Probably until like 2025 almost. I, I he'll probably get cups of coffee in 2024 or something, but I mean, really this next season, I, he's not really factoring into our production and as an offense. But those other guys, I think, could be contributors. And if not, I mean, we could move one of those um, for more of an established hitter um, that has some years of control left, too. Uh, and may package them with, like you said, Ethan Small or even Terang. So I, it's interesting. That, and that's, that's another bat that we should talk about, Craig, too. I'm really interested to see what happens to Terang. And, you know, I thought, I, well, just finish your point first, and I'll, I'll come back to Terang, but go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm go ahead. I was just going to say, if there was anybody that I thought we were probably not going to pick up again with his option, I thought it was going to be Wong, to be honest. I, I just thought that, you know, given his age and his defensive struggles last season, I thought that perhaps he might not have been tendered a contract that I was uh, wrong. But I do, and I just because I think the terrain could slide over to second base fairly easily next uh, to start next year, 
Um, that being said, I, I still would predict that Wong is very likely to get traded uh, in the coming weeks. But, you know. Yeah, we'll, actually, we'll I thought the same thing, and I still think the same thing. And I think a lot of Brewer fans might be thinking the same thing, too, because the fact that when, when we offered, when, when we basically picked up his, like you said, $10 million, which is really um, – 10 million and then 11 million for run for all. I'm like, are we really going to pay both of those players? And so I'm like, well, we'll probably trade at least one of them. And we did that already with Renfro. Now I'm thinking they might even trade Wong as well. Uh, and then use that savings for one of two things or both. And that's to improve the offense via uh, a free agent signing or, or that they're going to use that saving, that $21 million now in saving for just 2023, if we were to indeed move Wong as well as Renfro, to use that as part of an extension for Woodruff or Burns, which I'm, I'm guessing they're working on, on either or both. And I think that they're probably, if I were running the Brewers, I'd be working on Burns first and see what it's going to take. If it's a dollar amount that we're not comfortable with, or he's not willing or whatever, then I think you move on to Woodruff. And again, if... I think one of those guys, I think they're probably working on trying to sign him long-term. Um, and they don't necessarily have to yeah, do it this off-season because we have still two years of control. So I think they, they might just be gauging interest. And if they really do want to actually sign the contract, they have next off-season to do that if they indeed don't, uh, you know, don't trade them. So I, it, it's there's a yeah. lot of ins and lots of outs, but um, it'll be an interesting hot stove season for the Brewer fans. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah, and I, I will gladly eat crow if we're able to sign both of those guys to extensions. That would be awesome because then you then you you know you lead your your rotation off with those two guys for the next say five six years, and then you've got this offensive core that is going to hopefully you know come up and make an impact sooner rather than later. Uh, but as soon as this season, and in Trio's case, I would say you know in a a season or two. But um, then you've really got a core to to build around if we're able to sign both of those guys. That'd be that'd be amazing. And, and it's like one of those things where that decision by either of those pitchers kind of makes a domino as far as your decision as GM. For example, let's just say Woodruff's willing to sign long-term, but not for Burns. And I think it'd be a real big pipe dream for a small market, possibly even a mistake to sign both those guys to what they're going to actually cost. Because that's a with Yelich's contract, if either of those become like, you know, blow out their arm or, or regress or something like that, um, they're that it would really really hamper the franchise as a small market team. So I I honestly think that the chances of both of them being signed long term are are close to nil. But I I have some faith that we will sign one of them. And so let's just you know grouping them together, we're gonna have one of those aces. Then we've got Freddie Peralta who's locked up for a number of years still at a very cheap rate. And then we just signed Aaron Ashby to a long term cheap contract. Eric Lauer will be under control fairly cheap before arbitration. Um, and so that's still a really solid top four starter. And then well, of course, and, and, and you've got, you've got uh, maybe Ethan Small is able to make a little bit of a, a comeback uh, to good form next season. And you've also got the guy that the kid that we got, I forget his name, but uh, the kid we got from San Diego. Yeah. Here. Robert Gasser. So Gasser and Small, either of those guys as lefties who usually take a little bit longer to develop could come into the mix too. Um, and so I think the franchise still looks really, really good. If we, if we're able to sign long-term either Woodruff or Burns, obviously preferably Burns in my mind, but that's it. And, and then, um, and then take the other one, you still stick with them for 2023, but then next off season or whatever trade, whoever won't sign for a nice haul to re re replenish the farm system or whatnot. 
or to fix your offense currently, well, however you want to do it, um, and then move on from there. I still think we'll, we'll have some really nice pitching depth, still, you know, far and above what the Brewer fans have been accustomed to for the last 50 years. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, my well, that's, mind, not, that's, not saying, that, that's not saying a ton, though, Greg, <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that the, even with the young hitters coming up, I mean, it's just to me, the frustrating thing is I don't really see like a, a cost controlled franchise hitter like a Ryan Braun yeah. or Fielder or Yonder Milder, um in this grouping. I hope I'm wrong. I think the only, the player that has the best chance of being that type of player is probably Garrett Mitchell, but I, I don't know if that's I, for sure. I don't know, though. Churio has been pretty impressive. I mean, I know he's a couple years old. Oh, yeah. Though, I, I guess that, I, I forgot. Like in our, in our system, in our system right now. And I would have, but then again, I would have said that maybe about Hedbert Perez uh, going into last year and he really struggled. So, I, you know, hopefully. In fact, yeah, I, I was saying that about. Edward Perez and, and the, he very well still could be a really nice player, but um, he, he had a little bit of rough season, but again, these guys are so young. I think Edward is like 19 and uh, uh, Jackson trio was Trios is like, yeah, 18. I think he, I think he just turned 19, but maybe not. Yeah, I, I think he was the youngest. 18 all of the 2022 season. He made it to, I believe high A. So again, you can't, yeah, expect- no, no, no. He made it to double A Craig at the end of the oh, year. He? He played okay. the last 11. He was the youngest player in double A last year. He uh, played the last 11 games of the season. He got the call back to double A. Um, he left the Timber Rattlers to go to uh, double A for the last, I think, just two weeks of the year. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, and you're saying he's tearing up the the winter league. I mean, he's obviously someone that's going to has a, has a nice ceiling. And, again, he's still only 18. In fact, he doesn't turn 19 until March 11. So before the start of the season, but not till spring training does the kid turn 19. So again, we can't be wow. There's just too much volatility. Like a lot, could, he could either become you know a superstar or, or on the board, uh, you know, or trend in that direction. Yeah, two two years, or he could flame out. I mean, unfortunately, he's got um, you know. So we'll see. But I'm not banking on him. But yeah, definitely, he he as of right now looks like a future. And when I say future, not the next two years. Um, potential, you know, franchise corner star, and that's definitely exciting, especially for someone that was um, in, you know, um, an international signing and not someone that we had to use like a top first round pick on. So yeah, definitely cool. Um, I I feel I think that uh, I'm going to go on record right now and say I'm going to call that Churio actually gets a cup of coffee at the end of 2023. I think that given the trajectory that he's on i think the brewers reward him with a very brief cup of coffee i'm not saying meaningful at bats necessarily but i'm saying he appears in a big league uniform he is a milwaukee brewer next season well that's a bold call but i, I could see it especially the fact that he reached double a this year so I, I i wouldn't bet against it I, I like that call but i can't even remember the last time there was someone under the age of 20 that played for the milwaukee brewer i know that was more robin young well yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, but I'm thinking in the last 20 years since we've been yeah. doing the show, has there been anyone under 20 uh, playing for the Brewers? I don't know that there has been. So the Scotty, this is a this is a question that Scotty would typically do on yeah, his interns would know rap, this for rap, sure. His interns would know and rapid fire around the horn, uh, typical Scott question. Um, trying to think, I don't know of anybody off the top of my head. No, uh, I think. I, how old is Garrett Mitchell? He went to college, so he's got to be 23, 24. Yeah, he's like so. 20, 21 or 22. Um, yeah, I, I don't 
I think he's older than that. I think he's 23 or so. I I don't know of one, Craig. I'm not sure. We could have our interns check. We'll, we'll post that on our social media. Uh, Brook Review 1 on Twitter. We'll, we'll get that out there at some point in the next uh, few days here. And, yeah, you're right. Gary Mitchell, already he just turned 24 this offseason. So, yeah. Um, and, and, again, I think that just with his age and his college experience, Gary Mitchell and what he showed as a cup of coffee last year, I mean, and – just looking at Garrett Mitchell, what he did at the major league level, he had three, three 11, eight steals, two homers, and less than 100 at bats, 61 at bats. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty nice line. If you, I mean, for a full season, you're looking at like 20 homers, 30 steals, someone could hit almost 300. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah. So, hey, Craig, um, I do have, I do have one quick response to your question that I don't know if it's the, Youngest, but J.J. Hardy was 22 when he broke into the big leagues with Milwaukee in 2005. Played 124 games as a 24-year-old. As a sorry, 22-year-old, he played 124 games. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. And um, Ricky Weeks was 20 when he made his big league debut. Yeah, that was a, that was the player I was thinking that he was. He wasn't in his teen. He was not a teenager, but he was very close. Yeah. So. Um, yep. Yeah, so it'll definitely be exciting. If I think that really. Is a, it would be a good sign that he'll be a future superstar if he makes the bigs before the age of 20, in my opinion, just like Robin Yount back in the day. So we shall see. Brief, brief, brief quick history note, 20-second uh, history uh, note on that. Ricky Weeks was 20. That was 2003. He played in seven games. And the reason he was brought up was because he had a contract stipulation that um, said that he had to appear in the big leagues by the end of the 2003 season in order to make that MLB money for even a, a week or two. So he actually didn't play again in the big leagues until 2005. So he spent 2004 back in the minors, but the Brewers did, uh, did actually uh, adhere to their contractual obligations. Yeah. I remember that. So again, that wasn't, I wouldn't call that necessarily an earned uh, trip to the big, so to speak, because it was in his contract, but I mean, in, in, trio, <laughs> in trios, if Jackson Trio makes it to the majors before the age of 20, it will be because he definitely earned it, and uh, that'll be very exciting. So, yeah, um, it's a lesson learned, kids. Hire me as your agent, and I will make sure that you get that stipulation so that you get that little extra bit of big league service time money. <laughs> major league minimum is a lot more than the minor leagues. <laughs> Absolutely, you got to pay for those uh, those bus rides and those apartments. Heck yeah, Heck. room with the Tim Dillards <laughs> of the world. Um, Heck yeah, Star Wars figurines are not cheap. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, Vince, this was great talking baseball once again. I know um, Scott should be back with us soon. Talk baseball. I know he loves baseball and talking it. So, yeah, uh, been doing it for a long time. In fact, we've been friends for coming up. Is it over 20 years now? Yeah. So um, we've been doing the show. Almost. The the, in the, the Brooker Review started like yeah, 18 years ago. So, yeah, um, yep. lots, lots of good baseball years. And yeah, the Brewers, since the, we've started the Brewers review, the, the Brewers have made the playoffs six of the eight times in franchise history, so that's pretty good. Not too bad. It's been a, it's been a good run, in the words of our co-host, Scott Bartell, who is also a great man. Absolutely. So with that being said, in honor of Scott, it's time to hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> sounds, good, uh, sounds good, Craig. And just as a reminder to our, uh, our listeners, you can find us again on social media, Twitter one. Uh, our email address is rootcareviewpodcast with an S at gmail.com. I'm sure he is uh, pouring over all of your questions. Uh, the best ways to interact. We try to be as active as possible on Twitter. All right. Sounds good. Well, stay classy.
Wisconsin, and happy. go Brewers. Go Brewers. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.